One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing that we can promise is that our conversation will hopefully be less than fascinating so that you can just feel free to drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano. Follow us on Twitter at Listen and Sleep. And give us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you find us. I am uh, very pleased to have in the studio with me a dear friend, a colleague, a comedian, someone I respect and admire, uh, Ali Hassan. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Thank you very much, Marco. This is uh, this is challenging. Is it? To keep my uh, charged up emotions bottled up. But, but as it turns out, the hangover that I presently oh. have is really lending itself well to this... Uh, this energy level. Do you have any hangover cures? Uh, I have Gatorade in the car okay, right Gatorade. now. I'm sipping Gatorade. Gatorade is a big one. I cramp up a lot. Oh. Um, if I let me, pretty much, without fail, mm. if I have a coffee and two beers, yes, I'm gonna get cramps like oh my, in my toes, calves, somewhere. If I do three days of drinking in a row, it's going to be very bad. I remember once um, it was like six, seven in the morning. I was in Chicago and I started cramping up right here. What would you call these muscles? The inside of your thighs. Yeah, here. the. Uh, I'm not sure what the muscle is, but inner right. thigh. Yeah. Well, the, the inner thigh, both of them cramped up, and uh, I basically had to lie there, spread eagle. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and, you know, I was like, if anybody sees me right now, because we were a bunch of guys had come over to New York to right. visit us. Some people sleeping in the living room, and I'm on the floor of the living room. Just spread wow. Eagle, but also going like. <laughs> so like so a sight for sore eyes, in other words. <laughs> sight for sore eyes. Look, exactly. I'm not a doctor. However. However, could it be magnesium? A lack of magnesium. I didn't know about the magnesium. I know about potassium. Oh, maybe so it's potassium. I, oh, okay, maybe so you are. <laughs> but magnesium wouldn't hurt. You know what? You started off with, I'm not a doctor, and you were right. I just, you know, I randomly recommend magnesium to anyone who has any sort of, That's you know, great. issue. They're like, you know, I had a, I ran into traffic on the way here. You sure. know what? Magnesium would help you. My, um, my father-in-law, it's water. Have a glass of water. Water helps. Everything. Sure. Everything. Doesn't even matter. Uh, I think I broke my ankle. Have a glass of water. Well, it can't hurt, right? I mean, Every, anything else, anything it else could hurt. It can't hurt. Um, I will say this. Well, first of all, what what is your drink of choice? Like, what were you drinking? That <sighs> it was beer. It was, oh, like, it was just beer. It was like, but, but by the end, it was like seven beers, and then it was like 12, 15, and I'm like, okay, I'm hungry. 
We were in a little strip on this road where all the restaurants are closed except Pizza Pizza and 7-Eleven are open. Uh, went against everything I stand for. Sure. And uh, went to 7-Eleven and bought like $17 worth of different snacks for sure. like the three of us. And every, first of all, what happens in those situations is everybody judges you right. and laughs at you and goes, what in the world? You got taquitos and chicken wings. From a 7-Eleven, you're a disaster. And then you can count down 60 seconds pretty much. And before you reach zero, everybody's kind of digging in. Well, since this beef patty's here, I may as well, well, you know, not let it go to waste. It sounds to me like you like to eat and drink. (laughs) Sounds to me like you're a master of segues. Well, you know, I wouldn't say master, but I know where to find (laughs) one when I need one. The reason we mention that is tomorrow... Our podcast, another one from Insomniversion, our podcast is going to launch. Very exciting. And it's called Eat and Drink with Ali Hassan and Marco and Tim, Tim Pano. I can't even say my name right. Well, you're excited. I am excited. You're excited. I mean, oh. if, if that's not proof, then what is? And this came about because we both have a love for food, drink, the social aspect, the um, tangible aspect, your background is back what we call back of the right, house. Right, and Marco's been a front of house guy for years. He felt like we complimented each yeah. other very nicely. And um, you uh, last night you sent me kind of your bio, yes. which is, um, what do you want to call it, a cathartic exercise almost, <laughs> of like, this is my life? Oh, God, what have I done? And I had to do the same thing, and I'm like, was that 2004? I know. Till 2007? Three years I did that. I hated every day of that. You know what I mean? You have to go it through that. It felt kind of like thing. a wasted life on paper. When it I did. looked at all the the random sort of Joe jobs that I had, I was like, I can't believe I did that for so long. Yeah. But it brought us to a podcast, which I invite our listeners of the Insomnia Project, if they need something to wake up. Yeah. Yeah, That that that's a passion-filled yeah. project. Mm-hmm. I think we can guarantee that. Yeah. Don't imagine uh, we get email with people saying, thank you, eat and drink really has been helping me fall asleep. What the? You know, it's interesting you say that because there are people who listen to the Insomnia Project to wake up or not to wake up, but while they're getting ready in the morning. I have some listeners who will email me and say, I listen to it because I don't like to listen to CNN in the morning. It gets me really distracted and I prefer to listen to something. Well, if you compare this to like that jarring alarm sound, like this is... Pretty much the eyes are really calm. Oh, I, I wouldn't have thought about that until you mentioned it. And, of mm-hmm. course, that's an obvious obvious good fit. And we have people who use it when they fly. If they're on the plane and they find it difficult, they're difficult flyers or whatever oh, you want to call yeah, it, they'll yeah. listen to it because it sort of distracts them from the, the takeoff and whatnot. Yeah. Okay, okay. So much like food can distract you from various anxiety or anxious-filled moments. Let me ask you, what is your go-to snack? Since we were talking about snack, what's the one thing where you're like, if I could have this, whenever I you, it. When I go to a restaurant, mm-hmm. if there's nuts and olives, I'm usually pretty happy. Because oh, really? it's going to take some time for me to decide what I want, especially right. if it's a, it's a nice restaurant. You know, more creative chefs in the back. Sure. So uh, I'm starving. I want to have a drink, but I don't want to get loaded right away. Ah, there's nuts. There's olives. Great. Now I'm happy. You know, you can get some uh, chili roasted cashews sure. and a variety of olives. And now I'm Interesting calm. you mentioned cashews since that one's not a nut but a, rather a legume. Uh, what is your preferred nut or slash legume? Um, 
I was just showing off there. You're, by the way. you're yeah, definitely showing off, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to cross check that because uh, <laughs> Marco does something where he goes he with great authority he delivers some news and then he goes I could be wrong about that. Yeah. You always have that lurking in the background. Either you say it or then you. I often say take it with a grain of salt take it with a grain too, of salt. because exactly. a I love that expression. Yeah, and b it sort of discounts yeah, any sort of absolutely. validity to what I'm saying. I'm hoping this one is heavily salted because I want cashews to be in that mm -hmm. because uh, there is a, a program, if you want to call it that, my wife and I follow from time to time. We're going to be following it called the Whole 30. Mm -hmm. You have to give up legumes, oh. but you can eat nuts. So uh, you may have ruined my life. Oh, I'm but sorry anyway, yeah, I'm good at that too. <laughs> you mentioned Chicago. Yes. You lived in Chicago. Yeah. I love Chicago. Tell me about your Chicago. My Chicago is about to be ruined because I'm planning a vacation there with my wife and daughters in uh, in in December. We're going to have the opposite of a time that I would have if I was alone. Okay. They're not going to eat oysters with me. They're not going to have my wife's like probably not going to have like a dirty martini with sure. me. She's like you know. Um, is it the pump room? The pump. Is it the pump there room? is a pump room? Yeah, that that famous in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I think. Oh, is it famous? I think Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, everyone. Oh, uh, there was the green it. room, the mm. green mill, the green mill. I'm thinking the pump, the pump okay. room. Okay. Well, look, there's two places you got to go, whether your wife exactly. comes with you or not. But anyways, exactly. you were saying, sorry. Um, but Chicago to me is like a city that took its music and its food so seriously. Like mm -hmm. they just weren't messing around, yeah. you know. Of course, you can find like a generic, but, sure. and, but but and then there was this diversity of like. You can find, like, just the best tacos I had for two bucks, buck fifty. This is two thousand, two thousand one. I'm sure okay. they're three fifty now. Sure. But you know, for a dollar fifty, so less than five bucks, you get three tacos with steak. The steak's obviously been marinated for a long time or pounded in a way where it's like just perfect. You're not chewing it for too long. It's just great meat with a couple of different salsas, some onions and tomatoes, and you're off to the right, and now you're like, why have I wasted time with all this fast food in my life when these options are here, you know? And then if you wanted to sit down, obviously Charlie Trotter was a big thing, you know, the reservations, it was like three, four months sure. before you could get. And, you know, there was like five of us who wanted to go together, and I was like, I think I'm going to cheat on these guys. I think I'm just going to go alone. Like this five thing is really jamming us up. It's really going to create issues for of us course. getting a reservation. Because it's hard. Like, uh, seating five is harder than seating six. Of course. But or, my gluttony right. is such that I'm like, if I go with five, I can try seven different dishes. If I go one, I can only try two, maybe three if I push it, you know? You say gluttony. I say an appreciation for finer thank things in so life much. like food. Thank you so much. So, And, and I can thank you <laughs> because you certainly uh, brought some insight to cooking, food, um, particular uh, South Asian cuisine, mm -hmm. um, so so great. So once this will be the last plug I have for eat and drink. Listen to that, and you'll hear us get into little scraps and whatnot too. Sure, on, oh, on yeah, different sure. opinions. Sure. Where, That'll wake you up. <laughs> That'll wake you up. I should mention, or I sh not necessarily I should mention, but I want to mention that you're also the host of a great program called Canada Reads on CBC. And I mentioned that for our international listeners mm -hmm. who may not be aware of, A, the great authors that we have in this country where we, where we record and broadcast from, uh, B, this program, how great it is and how unifying it is uh, for the nation, and C, your great talents as a host. So let me ask you this. 
Canada Reads. What does that mean to you? Well, I'll explain to people who, who won't be familiar with the format. Thank it's you. five uh, personalities, Canadian personalities, varying degrees of celebrity. They pick a book by a Canadian author and they say, this is the book that all Canadians need to read, right? They follow some theme typically for the year and they say, you know, last year it was about, um, it was about uh, uh, empathy, you know, which and, the world needs. Which more. the world needs. So yeah. it was a great theme to have, and uh, you know, people have less and less empathy. They can. It seems like people can't put themselves in other people's shoes. It's just like this complete lack of compassion uh, we see way too often, or we hear about so often. Um, so the theme was uh, was was along those lines. And uh, so we got introduced to a number of different, you know, you start with this long list of books and then the celebs, these personalities, they, they zero in on the one. They're like, this is the one. They champion the book. They champion the, the, or book. they champion the author in the book. Yeah. And then there's four days of uh, lively debate until there's one winner. You know, every day somebody gets knocked off. So that's the unfortunate and cool part. You know, it's a game show format, so that's great. But then the game show format also gets people pretty riled up when the book that you have everything riding on and, the, you know, literature is that thing. Like, let's say you're on vacation somewhere sure. and you meet somebody who has watched the same TV show as you. That is nowhere near meeting somebody who just read the same book you read. Yeah. It's like a very special connection, even though there's like millions of people reading millions of things. It's not so different mm -hmm. from TV or film consumption anyway. But something about like, oh, my God, you read that. And it's like we're in a special group. You and I both read. You know what I mean? Like uh, if you've ever experienced that, it's really, really special. And so um, it's funny to see like Canadians getting angry and passionate about literature. And it's like. For me to have even my small role in it as the host, I'm, I, I'm so proud and happy to be uh, to be part of that. And then, um, you know, as a testament to how good it is, actually, the U.S. possibly, oh. probably has sort of uh, it has borrowed that format, and uh, PBS is going to have the um, the Great American Book or something like that. Um, uh, yeah, the Great American Book. It's something like okay. that. Anyway, well, you should be host of that too. I I'm sorry. Be the I'm, host. I mean, if, I think Margaret Atwood is going to be one of the judges. Well, I mean, it's like, come on. If they don't have you as a host, they're making a grave mistake. Let me say Do that. Do you hear that, people? PBS, pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there a commonality that you find in Canadian literature or the books that are featured on that show? Is there something that unifies Canadian authors? No. 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 I have not seen that. Um, you know, last night I, I moderated a panel with three indigenous writers, all three women. A lot of indigenous writing has a, has a shared sort of – has shared themes like trauma. Sure. Obviously. Right. Because of the, the community and what they've you know, been through and continue to go through. Uh, wisdom of elders, you know, nature – the earth, Mother Earth, plays a big role. So you see that with certain types of writers from okay. certain communities. But as far as Canada goes, it is so diverse. Wow. It is so diverse. And I've, uh, you know, I've, I've had to read books kind of as homework for Canada Reads. Sure. And because of Canada Reads, I'll moderate or host other people. And I never want to look, I never want to be on the spot where the author looks at me and goes, oh, have you not read, read the book? book? Yeah. I can't. Even fathom what that would feel. Right. So I go out of my way to make sure I'm like well prepared. And right. sometimes the book never even comes up. It's just a chat with the person about their life. And sure. 
the, the funny thing is it's I will never ever be like well that was a waste of time to prepare because what did I do I read a book you can't you can't lose it's like the water it's like my father-in-law yeah. with the water drink some water read a book read a you book. can't lose you can't you lose. lose you really it's can't hurt you. Yeah. I mean I'm a huge proponent of literature libraries in particular mm. I have the great fortune I'm going to be at the Waterloo Library um, hosting their after hours fundraising event mm. and I can't wait for that let me ask you this. Would you ever want to write a book? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. And it actually would have a connection to food, sure. uh, not surprisingly. Uh, there was a time where I managed a restaurant called uh, Bombay Palace in Montreal. For the purpose of the book, Montreal might not be the same. Montreal would stay there, but it would right. not be Bombay. It would be called something else, sure. I imagine. But uh, what a ridiculous time of my life. Oh, isn't it? It's, oh, it's, it's insane when you It's insane. Work. And I wasn't a good manager. I learned at that job that I don't like telling people what to do. So I had my own challenges as a person. And then, uh, you know, as, as, as far as my identity goes, like, I don't like what I'm doing. And then there would be, like, the Bengali waiters would be mad at the Indian, um, uh, you know, chefs in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, they're always messing with me. I ask what this, they give me something else. Like just constant war. And I was like this Pakistani mediator between these Bengalis and Indians. And I was like, how did this happen? And just a real cast of characters. I'll tell you one story just to give you an idea of of what we're dealing with This could be a a chapter from the book. I'll transcribe this for you. Exactly. So there was a guy, Sami, a Bangladeshi dude. Uh, Side note, Scottish accent. A customer once told me, that guy is not from Scotland. I was like, what? She goes, I just asked him where he's from. He told me where he's from. I asked him if he knew a place. And he said, I I think, yeah, I have heard of that, actually. And she goes, it's like somebody in Montreal saying, yeah, I think I have heard of the Olympic Stadium. Right. Of course. She's like, he's not who he says he is. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. But this guy, thick Scottish accent, sure. it made him charming. It got him the best tips. People loved him. Is Sammy in? They would ask for him by name. They wanted to be served by him. Uh, but who he really was, we don't know. Oh, so anyway, what do you like in, the, in books? What is what, what, what do you gravitate to? Is there a type of fiction, nonfiction, or something that? My attention span is uh, is such that short stories are my favorite. Okay. I really love short stories, and I feel like I get more out of them because I'm so, uh, like, I, I can, I'm like, oh, 19 pages. This is amazing. I can read every word and sure. really savor it. Whereas in a, a longer four or 500-page book, it's like, you know, there's chunks where you're, you, it's like taking a long drive, and you're at one point you're like, what have I been doing the last 10 kilometers? Right. I literally just feel like I just woke up. You know what I mean? Sure. Sometimes it's like that with books where you're just, particularly when it's like very heavily descriptive. Yes. That's not for me. And with no disrespect to the Margaret Atwoods and the Alice Munros of the world, I, I get it. It's cold and it's gray. Sure. I don't need you know, five pages to describe right. that. People love that. I'm very, very, uh, I'm a big fan of short stories. Um, but if they aren't short stories, I'm a big fan of dialogue. Okay. I love a lot of dialogue. I love hearing people, um, you know, communicate with each other as much as possible mm-hmm. in a book. That keeps me really, really engaged. And that I think those are the things that conquer my my poor attention span. My attention deficit is uh, is conquered by dialogue or or. And your love for for dialogue bleeds into your 
ability as an actor and your performance, right? So I'll read a script with, with uh, great passion. In fact, some of the printing that you do is on the back of these sides, That's these right. scripts. And I'm almost more interested sometimes in reading the dialogue. Hey, what was this? What was on the back of this? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'm also enjoying uh, script writing. I've been doing a fair oh, amount great. of that uh, in the last three years. There's a is... great book, I'm going to tell you, as a script writer, mm-hmm. that I think every script writer needs to purchase. And I have no connection to the author. I couldn't even tell you the person's name. But it's called the Hollywood Standard Two. 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 It's the second publication or second okay. edition of it. And the reason I say two, and I'll show it to you because I have it upstairs, is the book is is larger. So the actual size of the book, the physical size of the book, is the size of a standard page that you would have on a script. Mm-hmm. And what it is is a resource book of almost like an encyclopedia when you need to know how to write dual dialogue while one person is on the phone and the other person is off screen you you flip to that little chapter and it'll tell you it'll show you and what it would look like on the page because it's the exact size of a page any little thing where you're like how do I write a scene where the person is a ghost and can only be heard by one person in the scene right and so you look it up and it'll tell you it's there it's there and it can be something as simple as how do I how do I have or how do I write a scene that that the interior is in a car and yeah. it'll tell you to something much more complicated. And it has been I took it out from the library because I get most of my reading from the library. And after I read three pages, I'm, I'm like, I, I need to buy yes. this book. Yes, yes, yes. And that's and that was that. And, you know, that's particularly important because I'm sure you know this. There's some people who are like. If something's written a certain way, I'm not even going to read it. You know sure. the way a resume is thrown out when it has a spelling mistake? Yes. So somebody goes, why are they putting uh, entire action uh, paragraphs in bold? Why right. is this all in bold? I'm not going to read this. Amateurish. Sure. Right? Or um, why is somebody's name not capitalized the first time we see? Why is this written like this? Why wasn't this a reveal? What is it? Why are 10 scenes in a row cut two, cut two? Yes. Why is all the transition cuts when Mm -hmm. it shouldn't, you know, all these kind of things get somebody annoyed pretty quickly. Of course. If you're not following format, it's a, it's fairly rigid, the industry in that case. You can't, you can't do, your writing can sing in a variety of ways, but as far as convention and format goes, there's not too much room for, for movement there. And it stands to reason if you're a person who's reading script after script after script, you need that sort of standardization um, in order to get through them in anything or like to be able to comprehend them in a manner which is relevant to film Mm -hmm. Um, because you can visualize when you see the you know interior uh, classroom day you already know what's going on there you don't have to it sort of registers quickly and you sort of need that convention in support of people who right who make sure that scripts are standardized like that i'm sure you're I, i mean you must have seen this where somebody goes interior classroom uh, early morning mm-hmm. and people lose their mind. It's sure. like day or night. Yeah. That's it. It's just day or night. There's no early evening. No. There's no middle of the night. There's none of this. And right away you make that mistake and you're regarded as like a, some kind of a buffoon. Yeah. 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 Less than, if you will. Less than even. Uh, the Hollywood Standard too. I yeah. will keep that. I'm going to show it to you before yeah? you leave. Okay. Sorry for the rest of our listeners. <laughs> uh, but then again, just... Use your library card. See if it's for you. I love libraries. I do. I just did a fundraiser for Vancouver Public Libraries. Oh, wow. Uh, They opened up these two new floors that had been occupied by the government for Mm. 30 years or something. 
and uh, these floors have been transformed into this beautiful, beautiful spaces. And uh, yeah, there was a fundraiser, five hundred and seventy-five thousand. So great! The, in their first year, they're very so happy great. about that. Yeah, you gotta love that. You gotta love it. And when you go to, you know, Vancouver has like a housing crisis and um, this huge disparity of wealth and sure. homelessness and opioid uh, issues and. Library takes everybody. Yeah. Library takes everybody. It's like a safe haven. Yeah. You come in, you look like you've had a rough life, not just mm -hmm. a rough day, and there's somebody there to be like, is there something I can interest you in reading? Sure. It's unbelievable. It's a beautiful sort of equalizer when you have access to books yeah. and other resources that a library does. Um, and you see, in every library I've ever noticed, whether I was in New York, whether I was in Berlin, or whether I'm at the little tiny library that's just up across from my, up my street. It's the smallest, most quaint little library, and I love it. Yeah. And you see people who speak the language, people who speak different languages. You see people who are tall, people who are short, people who are round, people who are thin, people who are, you know, every different type of person mm. in there. Like you said, people who are wealthy, people who aren't wealthy, kids, the elderly, and they're all treated the same and they all have access to things that speak to that. Yeah. And I kind of, there's something about that that I find so endearing. And one of my fears is always when you get a politician in play who wants to cut funding to things like libraries and, and I find that so disheartening. Yeah. But what I don't find disheartening is a conversation with you. Ali. Thank <laughs> you, you so much. You may have gotten too, too passionate at the end. Did I? Did I get it? Maybe well, I did. It's libraries and it's yeah. obviously close to your heart. It is you close were talking to about, And I know how you get about politicians who are like, uh, you know, who favor only the wealthy. Yes. And so I, I happened and I felt that was coming up too. Your color was raising <laughs> a little bit, but uh, hopefully this helped some people with whatever they uh, they needed it to do for them. I hope so. Well, yeah. thank you so much. My pleasure. And listen to our joint podcast, Eat and Drink. It's going to be amazing. I must say that with passion. Thank yeah. you. It's going to be amazing. And it starts up tomorrow. Till then. As always, the Insomnia Project is produced by Drumcast Productions, and this particular episode was recorded in Toronto, Canada. Until the next time.